costume on this <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear Bing Bong is a sus individual. And now, the skills of the sculptor and the talents of the artist will let us relive the Mouse Madness podcast. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mouse madness. Kyle, happy fourth of July. Happy, happy birthday. HBD America. Yep. 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 We are here on the 4th of July as you're listening to this. Uh, really excited to be here in the in the middle of summer talking a little American Disney thing. We had a really great discussion last time. Uh, we came we came prepared, baby. We we know stuff so. out there. I uh, feel like it's been a minute since both of us showed up just rolling deep hey, in notes. Oh man, uh, it was good. It was I love doing these types of shows because I love diving into the notes and the histories and watching all of the things and now be having some new favorite show like America Sings. It's it's a great journey. And with us on this journey is a veteran of not only the military, but of the flag retreat ceremony itself. It is Daphne. Daphne, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I want to hear more about this flag retreat ceremony involvement. How did that go down? So I was in color guard during my time in ROTC during college. College. <laughs> college. <laughs> and uh, uh, so it was between my sophomore and junior year, and that's the summer where you're going to go to boot camp for your officer training. I had just got my acceptance letter and they said, hey, go do color card for um, the retreat ceremony at Disneyland. Yeah, Dapper Dans were there and wow. everything. Yeah, That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> I love that you did that before I even knew any of that existed. <laughs> Are you calling me old? Maybe. <laughs> maybe slightly. Uh, Chris, you're over there being real patriotic in your Washington Nationals hat. I see that. Uh, I'm, Natty in my, daddies. I'm in my canine crunchies, which isn't quite that American, although it does take place uh, during a Western show. So uh, I guess I'll take that tie in during Bolt the or not Bolt, right. uh, whatever his name is. Anyways, uh, let's get into this America stuff. And before we do it, let's talk what we're drinking. Chris, what's your spoonful of sugar this week? It's officially summertime Woo! in Northern California, so I got me a Big Stump Brewing Co., oh. which is a Sacramento, California-based brewery. I got me a 
Tiki Punch Tropical American Sour Ale. Oh, baby. Have you had this one, Kyle? No, I don't think I've even heard of it. Okay, let's do this. It's ice cold. Can't <laughs> wait. I hope it's good. Apparently, it's got hints of pineapple, so let's, let's give it a shot. Oh, going in for the double sip. That's great. Is That's it? great. It's not super sour, actually. Okay. Um, but it is very smooth, very uh, refreshing, um, and just goes down like noon, to be honest. Goes down <laughs> oh, like noon. Oh, dangerous. <laughs> uh, Kyle, what do you got? Uh, Daphne and I actually, we're recording together, so we have the same thing in hand here. It's a, we're going seltzer again. Nothing feels more American these days than an ice cold seltzer. This time it's from Ashland, uh, Ashland Seltzer, crafted mm. in California, it says. A little bit on the higher side. This one is 5%. I feel like seltzers are in the fours. This one says five. I've got mango strawberry. Uh, Daff over there has got, what is that, tropical? Tropical cherry kind of tastes like medicine. All right. So she's got the medicine one. I haven't had this mango strawberry one yet. I'm a little afraid if that one tastes like medicine. Here I go. Yeah, that's not great. That tastes like a um, like a a flat uh, cotton candy soda. It's not Ew. and not a good cotton candy flavor, like an artificial <laughs> Awful cotton candy flavor. Not that cotton candy is natural, but uh, that flavor is bad. I'm going to drink it because I opened it, but uh, Ashland uh, Hard Seltzer. It's not the business. It's not the business. Uh, Chris, what is the business is where we left off last time. So why don't you give us a little recap of how we got to this Elite Eight? Yeah, our bracket was the most American Disney thing. We had 16 Disney things in the first episode of this bracket. We pulled that field of 16 from a very specific demographic down at the Disney parks. It was folks waiting in line to see the new face character Buzz Lightyear. We said Buzz is an American hero of sorts. And so what do you think is the most American Disney thing? We had 16. We narrowed it down to a round of eight where we have the number one seed Hall of Presidents from Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom versus number nine the Main Street Flag Retreat Ceremony. We've also got the number 13 seed, a little upset by the former Main Street Electrical Parade finale float. It's going to take on the number five seed, America the Beautiful Attraction, defunct attraction at <laughs> Disneyland Park. Other side of the bracket, we've got the number two, the juggernaut, great moments with Mr. Lincoln, oh. taking on the number 10, Frontierland. Then we've got number 14, Walt Disney's Union Busting. <laughs> Versus the number 11 seed, the American Legends VHS. We've got a lot to talk about. A lot of super, super American Disney things left here that I really can't wait to dive into. So, Kyle, why don't you go ahead and kick things off this time? Okay. We've got the Hall of Presidents, which we dove into quite a bit last time. Versus the Flag Retreat Ceremony, which we also dove into quite a bit. So, Hall of Presidents, uh, President Stand Up, give a little bit of a speech and uh, sit back down, and it ends with our current president giving a little speech, sitting back down. Uh, what's interesting about this show is that every time they update it, they do it very quickly. 
it's usually this attraction is not down for very, very long before the new president is in there, which has led to some controversy uh, lately. Last time before Biden, uh, Donald Trump got added to the Hall of Presidents and there was some rumors around town, around around the old Magic Kingdom, that the animatronic for Donald was actually crafted after the look of Hillary that they then had to try and morph its its features into something that looks like Donald. So the first photos that came out of this animatronic look very much like Hillary Clinton wearing a Donald Trump <laughs> costume <laughs> because everybody assumed that she would win. And so it's it that I feel like that that botched plan by Disney is kind of sums up Disney as of late. <laughs> they're they're constantly just missing the mark. And so that that's a side that's not even about this American thing. I just wanted to call it out. But this this place is also sur- surrounded by controversy continually. Um cast members were known to discreetly vandalize a lot of these animatronics during hmm. certain controversies. Uh the Watergate scandal, Richard Nixon's animatronic was actually handcuffed. <laughs> by a cast member who's obviously protesting the the shenanigans of Nixon, uh, the Lewinsky scandal. There was a condom that was slipped into the pocket of Bill Clinton. Not great. Uh, So, of course, with anything political, you're going to have these interesting scenarios happen, especially when you have a bunch of humans in it. And I believe that when, um, when Donald Trump was elected, there was like audible protests in the yeah, lobby of it right yeah. and like people were like hanging like flags or something i don't know uh so how long much longer is this attraction going to last i'd be very interested in it uh abraham lincoln george washington and barack obama are the most advanced models of animatronics in the entire attraction uh, even with the additions of donald trump and uh joe biden I, and I think it's because their mannerisms are so unique. And Lincoln obviously is Disney's pride and joy as animatronic form. George Washington being the first president, uh, they had to put a little bit more love and care into these animatronics. And and so those three are the most advanced model of animatronic, which I think is very Disney of is very Disney and very American to always want to have the best of the best representing who they feel like is the best of the best. We herald Washington as being the first and the first great leader. We herald Abe Lincoln for all the that he did to unite the country. We herald uh, Obama for being the first black president. Um, so it kind of makes sense that they would put a little bit more TLC into these animatronics just from even an American standpoint. Up against the uh, flag retreat ceremony, which we talked about, and Chris did a great job of recapping it and what it was all about, uh, there was some controversy surrounding this too recently uh, at Disneyland, actually. So same thing happens at Walt Disney World where they have the band comes out, Dapper Dan's come out, they sing some patriotic songs, play some patriotic music. Uh, Sometimes somebody might lead us through the Pledge of Allegiance. Other times it's more of a thanking the veterans and then down comes the flag to the Star Spangled Banner. But at Disneyland, up until recently, up until four or five years ago, this was done 
close to every single day by a veteran themselves. They would narrate this thing. Uh, his name was Cunny. And Cunny was known in the Disney fan community for narrating this retreat at Disneyland. And one day, Disneyland announced that, Cunny, you're out. We're going to an automated recording. And that was because Disney wanted to streamline how long they spent in Times Square. Mm. <laughs> he kind of was getting a little bit too verbose and he was saying a little bit too much. And they wanted to cut down on the time that they were having people congest as these parks were getting more and more popular. Like you think about 2016, 2017, 2018, like this is the height of Disney parks in California and even in Florida crowd wise. And so if you're going to have more people in the parks than you've ever had before, stand in the most central part of the park in town square from the the park gate to getting to main street, you don't want to clog that thing up, let alone when parades start happening, that afternoon parade starts wrapping up, but then they have the flag retreat and then they got to clear it because it's fireworks and the paint, the night's coming on. So I get why they did it, but people were upset that this vet could not speak anymore at these ceremonies, but alas, it still goes on. Apparently, it went on through through COVID, uh, which is a great story that they want to tell. For me, this one's going to go to the flag retreat. I think that the flag retreat has the upper hand because it's a shared experience. And I think that one big thing in American society is that we like to have these shared experiences, even if it's a, a tragedy. Think about like COVID and all the messages that we were seeing about that. It was come together as as one and defeat the the virus. Come together and support healthcare workers. We are going to open our windows in New York City at 7 p.m. and we are going to clap and honor our citizens honor our country by this big shared experience. And I think this is a little microcosm of of all of those things we do. We stop our family vacation in the middle of it, in the middle of the day, in the middle of park operating hours to have this patriotic shared experience in the middle of town square, in the middle of Main Street, USA. And I think that is more patriotic, more American the more American Disney thing than sitting in a theater and watching a president speak at you. And I think we're going to start seeing that downfall happen in these next couple of rounds, at least for me. So I'm going to go with the Main Street uh, USA flag retreat ceremony. Yeah, I had uh, America Sings upsetting the Hall of Presidents in the last episode. Right. Uh, to me, presidents are like umpires. Uh, I notice the bad ones and I don't like them, but the other ones I don't really care about. And so, they should probably uh, all be robots. Sure. <laughs> and, and in this case, in, in this, this case, case, they are. They are. Robots, so. <laughs> uh, I'm with you, Kyle. I, I love the flag retreat ceremony. It's this nice, condensed, short, outdoors, uh, feels really genuine and authentic uh, American thing that happens in the park. So so we got an upset here. We've got the flag retreat ceremony moving on. Wow. Uh, Daphne, veteran of the flag retreat retreat ceremony. You said you liked the presidents. The presidents are your boys. Uh, how do you feel about this result? Either one was good, but um, I'm really glad about the flag ceremony because like what Carl said, it's a share experience. Uh, and what you said, it, it is authentic. And uh, it's what we do on military bases every day. So it's cool to see like normal everyday citizens uh, take part of it. All right, let's move on to the next matchup. It's a number 13 the former Main Street Electrical Parade finale float versus 
the number five seed America, the beautiful. So Kyle, you did a good job kind of laying out the idea behind this float that ends the Main Street Electrical Parade. It's this very grand parade that was very uh, revolutionary for the time, very unique entertainment offering for the Disney park. So the beginning of the parade and the middle of the parade are very awe-inspiring, but they save the best for last, the biggest float with the most lights and the most little soldier boy dancers hanging around the edges. (laughs) Soldier boy, tell them. It's the four... America yep. float to honor America uh, with a giant billowing flag and a giant eagle on the back. Uh, and it's just a statement of pride that is supposed to be something that the parade viewers feel and also something that the Disney company can say, this was our, you know, act of patriotism here today. America, the beautiful, I, I feel like we laid it out pretty well Uh, In the last episode, it's a giant room that everyone stands in, unfortunately, and and everyone stands around and watches these various locations in the country being presented on screen. Um, And and I think that that's really an important aspect of the American experience is the geography of the country. There, there aren't a whole lot of countries in the world that have the diverse landscape that America has in this movie. It depicts, um, places like Sun Valley, Idaho, where people are skiing. And it also depicts boaters in Southern California and Rockport, Massachusetts. Depicts barren landscapes in Alaska, uh, farms in Hawaii. There's just, there's just so much geography in America. It's all beautiful. And this is Disney's attempt at, at depicting all of that and and kind of showing the American experience through the places that make up America. I love that. I'm someone who has lived in a few different geographical locations in the country. SoCal, LA, Kansas City, Missouri, Chicago, Illinois, New York, New York. Now we're here in the Bay Area. So I've been a lot of places, driven through a lot of these places that are depicted in the movie, and I can confirm that it's a bit, it's a big country, bro. Like there's <laughs> a lot, there's a lot of America, and it's super easy to forget about um, if you just hang out uh, on the coast all the time. There's a lot out there, so um, I, I love that that's depicted here. Also, something I really appreciate about America the Beautiful is just the the stride forward in technology that this attraction tries to take. If you look at the way that they filmed, this is super janky. It's like a stick with a bunch of cameras pointed in different directions on it. This was obviously before they had, you know, panoramic lenses to basically one giant thing that took a 360 image. Also, the the projection is is very janky. It's not really 360 degrees. It's kind of like a polygon of sorts. Right. Um, and each projector is projecting onto a flat surface that ends up being very jagged. And each of the projectors has its own brightness settings and its own contrast and saturation settings. So it's by no means a, a beautiful picture being presented on these screens, but you have to give Disney credit. And this is kind of the spirit of innovation that Disney tries to achieve as a company. It's also one that they depict in the movie itself where they're talking about things like um, Key West, things like Cape Canaveral, Florida, and um, 
the space program and stuff like that. So I think America the Beautiful does a great job capturing a lot of different elements of the American experience. So I'm going with this one. America the Beautiful's technology, you can actually go to the Walt Disney Family Museum here in San Francisco and see that camera that they use to shoot this film on. Uh, it hangs from the, the roof of one of the, sh- the show floors. It's really cool. It's a bunch of, it's nine cameras all in a circle that they would strap to the roof of a car or dangle from a helicopter and get a lot of these shots. And it was super innovative. Like who thought about trying to sh- put somebody in the center of a scene that way uh, in the 1950s, 60s, 70s and transport them without them having to leave. You Like this travel mentality was just picking up. Tourism was just picking up. Planes were just becoming available for commercial flights and affordable for the everyday person. So this almost just served as like a big advertisement for the tourism board and to get people out and check out America, which is in Disney's DNA. They're forever, they've been doing that. Disney's True Life Adventure series, which was the very first like nature show, uh, wanted to show you these different aspects of not only the world, but America and, and show you nature and places that you may not be able to see because you're not able to get there. And so they do the same thing. They bring America to you and show you just how gorgeous it is outside of Anaheim, California. I think it's really cool. The setup is super janky. It's super funny every time I hear a podcast about this attraction or read anything about it because the setup was those nine screens, but they couldn't connect all the way around, obviously, because of the projectors. And they don't have projectors like they do today where you can project from the back. So in between the slits of every screen was a projector going directly across at a screen. So you had these crossing lights across the ceiling to project. But at that time, can you imagine like walking into a theater and being able to see America all around you and it's all different angles, all the same thing. You turn around, you're moving backwards, baby. Get a little motion sick if you don't be careful. It's just so cool. And you're right. Like America's focus on its landscape goes all the way back to the Teddy Roosevelt days, right? Like establishing national parks and preserving America's beauty is a huge thing that we love to ta- to flaunt about our, our country. It's just the vast landscape, the many different climates, everything that you can experience, just as you said. And we take care of our national parks. At least we say we do and we and we do our best to. So I, I, think, I think you're completely correct there. And also you got a hand like, Ub Iwerks designed the camera rig for this attraction. Disney legend. He's the one who straight up drew Mickey Mouse. He came up with the design of Mickey Mouse. We got legends in the building when it comes to this. Mickey Mouse, an American icon. You got the hand of Mickey showing off America and its beauty. Uh, the innovation of the Main Street Electrical Parade is not anything to dismiss either, though. Like this, this isn't a an attraction, a parade that was really one of its kind at the time and an ambitious effort. Like imagine trying to figure out how to string up and and power that many Christmas lights for a parade every single day and make it look good. Obviously, the first iterations were a little janky, but this once the American float comes online, it is dazzling and it is a great uh, it's a great homage to America. What are Americans obsessed with? 
fireworks, baby, and lights and shiny things. And you've got that all on this. You have representation of fireworks on little poles that light up and then explode. And it looks, it's such a cool little illusion because we love that stuff. Another shared experience, not that American and Beautiful isn't, but here at a parade experience, you're talking, you're ooing, you're aahing with the, with the people around you. You're sitting on the curbs of this turn of the century town as you watch it. Like that just gives me such big 4th of July vibes with your friends and family checking, taking in the dazzling performances in front of you. But I'm going to agree with you. America the Beautiful is going to move on. I think that it encompasses not only what we love about America or what Americans love about America, which is that the you feel like you can go anywhere and it's not going to be the same as your home. And for Disney to innovate yet again, the experience that you have not only in a theater, but in a, in a theme park and an amusement park that is very disney to push the boundaries. So it's a great culmination of them of them both. So America the Beautiful is moving on. Daphne, do you have any issues with that? No, no issues. And just like you, Chris, uh, seen a lot of this country, driven through a lot of it, and it's great. And it's, and I think Disney providing a, a way to, for people to see it, it, I think that's really American. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, don't don't worry. We're gonna talk about your Dakota days. <laughs> My Dakota. Bit. Oh yeah, Teddy. Te- <laughs> Teddy. Teddy Roosevelt spent some time in North Dakota. He has a cabin there. See, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the more you know out here, huh? All right, let's move on to this next Elite Eight matchup. It is the number two great moments with Mr. Lincoln versus the number ten Frontierland. Uh, down goes Lincoln here. I I just think that Frontierland is the stronger American thing than Abraham Lincoln. I think that we get a lot of pride out of Abraham Lincoln. And I think that's a big part of what makes someone quote unquote American is proud of your past, proud of where we've been, uh, proud of our leaders, treating our leaders as these celebrities. But over in Frontierland, we're celebrating Hollywood celebrities. We're celebrating uh, mythical celebrities we are putting ourselves into what we feel like is the foundation of our country which are these small towns and especially like these western towns and being in california at least at the original one uh, this is what a town could look like in the west at that time uh, that the this frontier land takes place you got guns very american to have guns there's a whole shooting range there to this day uh, train culture is extremely American, uh, especially celebrating it, celebrating adventure, being wanting to be adventurous and exploring new frontiers, I think is very American. And that's what Frontierland was really built upon. Uh, they did their best to celebrate Native Americans at this time as well in the foundation of Frontierland. Nothing that would fly today, but from what we think we know... They brought in local tribes to put on demonstrations for guests. Uh, Whether or not that is 100% true, who knows, but uh, I haven't seen anything to really refute it. So you like that celebration of where America came from as well incorporated in it in a way that isn't like cowboys versus quote unquote Indians, uh, although there's probably some of that as well. Uh, I, I think it's just a great 
microcosm of celebration of American culture. While it's not current American culture, it was American culture at that time. So I'm going to go with Frontierland over Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. I think Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln is such a great convergence of the past, present, and future. Uh, Mr. Lincoln might not only be the most American project Walt Disney ever put together, it might be the most Disney project that Walt Disney put together. Interesting. Um, Walt was a, a veteran in his own right. He drove an ambulance and met Ray Kroc, the inventor of <laughs> McDonald's, uh, as they worked together on on the ambulance. Yeah. Um, which is wild, but uh, he was very proud, very proud uh, to have gotten the opportunity to serve his country, very proud to be an American, I'm very proud of the American way of life. It's why he designed Main Street USA to be the first impression at the Disney Park. I wanted uh, uh, his guests to get that spirit of American enthusiasm, the idea that anything is possible. <laughs> And, and Walt is someone who tried to do that. He tried to make anything happen. And it was always his dream to have a living gallery of the presidents. And this Lincoln animatronic was that dream come to life. Uh, they managed to find a mold of Lincoln's face. They put it together and they created this audio animatronic, the original. And it was obviously a 1964 World's Fair joint, uh, which is an important part of history within the Disney company. Um, so that makes it a very Disney thing. But I mean, this was a monumental step forward in not just like entertainment audio animatronics, but in robotics and like mechanical engineering in general, uh, yep. this is, this is a huge accomplishment and that spirit of industry, that spirit of, uh, inventiveness is, is super American to me. And that's kind of where I get the idea of this being kind of like a, a futuristic project by Disney. They were trying to go into the unknown, hmm. kind of what you're talking about with Frontierland. But at the same time, it looks back at the past. It looks at the founding of uh, the country as we know it today. Started off with a, with a little boy in a little log cabin in <laughs> Illinois. Uh, and he eventually, you know, got into be a state senator and then got to become a senator and then got to become the president of the United States and he worked his way all up to the top and he did this thing that was very monumental when he gave that Gettysburg address and he put an end to slavery and end to the civil war. Uh, just, just super patriotic, super American. Uh, exactly what I think about when I think about American Disneyism or Disney Americanism. <laughs> oh uh, boy. Yeah. Just that just, one, that one makes my hair stand up on the back of my it's, neck. It's one in the same. Yeah. Um, and like, as I mentioned on the last episode, like it's so much more than just like the Lincoln speech. Um, that is this attraction. It's, it's everything that comes before it. You know, it's the, the stupid two brothers song. Um, it's, it's the battle hymn of the Republic that plays. It's the golden dream song that plays. It's all of those Disney props that are in the, um, 
uh, waiting, I don't know, the waiting foyer? room? Foyer? The foyer, uh, the Main Street Opera House. And then as you exit, you have a portrait of some great Americans, uh, some leaders in industry, some um, political titans, and some uh, very great minds. Super American. Um, I know we don't love this attraction, but I'm, I'm going to have to advance Mr. Lincoln over Frontierland, which, as I said on the last episode, feels like a very small piece of American history being represented. So, Daff, you're breaking the tie. Okay, so I got to go with my boy Abe. Not just Abe. because, not because of the the bias I have towards presidents and they're great, they're idols, blah blah blah, but because. Um, uh, things we mentioned in the previous episode, like uh, Lincoln actually shaped a lot of today's America, how we think, uh, like, yeah, slavery's bad. <laughs> so, so yeah, whether it's frontier land, it's, that's fictional. So got to go and buy my, with my boy Abe. All right. Well, that moves us on to the next round of eight matchup. It is the number 14 seed Waltz Union busting versus the number 11 seed, the American Legends VHS. Kalia did a great job kind of going over the history of the animators strike at uh, the Walt Disney Animation Studio. Uh, It was a nine month strike that started in 1941. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, this was this was a, a kind of a transitional point in the studio's history. It was after the success of Snow White, uh, after the success of Bambi, Pinocchio, the studio was was going off. Uh, it was growing yes. at a very rapid rate, and what was once a very small, close knit family type environment at the studio, where everyone was on a first name basis, it was becoming a full fledged company. And, and Walt had a really difficult time handling that transition. I mean, he really wanted to keep that closeness with some of his employees, but he there was just too many people around. And he yeah. just couldn't do it. And, and that's kind of where that idea of a growing disparity in the studio takes place. Not only in like the wages that people were getting, you had senior animators who had been around since the start, and then you had new people who were coming on to do some of the more technical stuff, um, but also in the privileges that a lot of these employees were being awarded. There were things like special health clubs that were only available to male senior animators uh, and and just just general preference that Walt would, would give people, which Uh, was not chill. So Walt, I think he always meant well, but he certainly fostered a rather toxic environment at his studios uh, at this point. And, you know, it just, it reached a breaking point and that's kind of where we got the strike. Uh, Yes, we we talked about how it's very American to kind of want to reject this idea of socialism, reject reject the idea of communism, reject the idea of all for one and one for all. We really all need to be looking out for ourselves. Kyle, you brought up the Walt Disney speech that he gave his staff that like, y'all, if you have a problem, like just do something about it. Just lift yourself up by your bootstraps and... uh, you know, it's not my job to fix your problems. It's your job to fix your problems. Uh, that attitude, individualistic attitude is, is, is super American. 
One of my favorite little like highlights from this dispute is the fact that allegedly Art Baba and Walt almost got into a full-on fist fight one morning. <laughs> oh, when, what? When 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 Walt was driving into the studio, I guess the chirps got a little bit too personal. And, Whoa. Uh, Allegedly, they got up in each other's business and they did not come to blows, but apparently they almost did. Uh, I mentioned the um, House Un-American Activities Committee interviewing Walt about the, the presence of unions in his studio and Walt named names. He's, he's threw his boy Art Babbitt under the bus, who was essentially blacklisted from Hollywood at that time, which is kind of an unfortunate thing but i guess again another very individualistic approach to work culture yep um and and after that the work work culture at the disney studio did change a lot oh big time uh, it it no longer was this this fun place where everyone could feel like family it was a very stiff company and walt tried to keep things very very close to the chest and that is what inspired Walt to shift his focus from the studio to Disneyland and the creation of this physical space uh, where he could kind of be away from those those more political type problems. Political not in the like America democracy sense, but in the you know workplace political sense. The the Disney Legends, the American Legends VHS, I mean I talked about it on the last episode. You have these folk heroes, Johnny Appleseed, yeah. John Henry, Paul Bunyan, Casey Jones. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. When I say that, when I think of America, I don't necessarily think of uh, the politicians of the past and the founding fathers and the wars that we fought to get here. Those are really important to kind of the the structures of society and why they're in place. But when I think of Americanism, I think of people and the small impacts that people can make uh, on an everyday level. And I think that's what some of these stories are trying to convey. You have Johnny Appleseed who was just walking around dropping seeds in the ground. He wasn't big. He wasn't strong. He, he had this uh, spirit of adventure, this courage to go to a place he's never been. Yeah. Uh, he was a bit industrious and entrepreneurial and anyone can have that, right? Like that is something we can as all aspire to be. It's the same with uh, the brave engineer, Casey Jones. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of, it's kind of a weird thing to glorify. Like we're glorifying <laughs> that, that blue collar attitude of being on time at all times. But again, like it's a very kind of achievable American dream. Right. Uh, Paul Bun so Paul Bunyan. Let's talk about Paul Bunyan a little bit. Uh, the story of Paul Bun the story of Paul Bunyan's one that I guess I have I've always known, but I I had to be reminded of it. Uh, Paul Bunyan, giant lumberjack dude. Yep. I mean, man was like the size of a whole state. He was just <laughs> enormous. Um, but what's interesting is. Big baby Bunyan, uh, he washes in from the ocean, right? In in Maine. So, is he American? Is he not Ooh. American? Is this like a Superman situation where he's technically an immigrant? That is, yeah. It depends on uh, if those waters were international. Did he cross any international so, lines? 
So Paul Bunyan's status as an American legend is in question. We need a birth certificate. Stat. Also, he he starts out as a baby, um, right. and he I mean he's as a, we he's do. a big baby. He's a big baby Bunyan. So, <laughs> dude, that that big Bunyan baby poop. Oh, size of Rhode Island. It's got it's the size of at least a house. <laughs> so I like my first reaction is like, who's changing this baby's diapers? The community takes a village. They say, they say it takes a village. And in this case, it takes a village to change baby Bunya's poopy diapers. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, so finally, he growed up uh, and he's got this. I mean, he's a big man, so he's got this deep voice. And who do they tap to give the deep? voice to Paul Bunyan. Calling we Mr. Already saw, we, we already saw our boy Burl, so enter our boy Thurl. <laughs> yeah, I've Thurl never Ravenscroft. made that connection. Thurl uh, Ravenscroft. Uh, we always talk about him uh, being one of the voices of the singing busts in the Haunted Mansion. He's that real deep voice. He's also the voice to Tony the Tiger. Yep. For those that don't know the Haunted Mansion. Um, Paul Bunyan is 63 axe handles high. I don't really know like what that means in like like, feet, (laughs) but he's got to be the thickest Disney boy, right? Uh, He has to be. He's he's pretty thick. I mean, maybe short of like one of those uh, um, celestials in Avengers. Is that what they're called? The ones that are like the size of like multiple planets? Yeah. Or um, the, uh, where were they? The Titans in Hercules. Remember the Cyclops? That was a thick baby boy right there. Those guys were pretty huge. Um, okay, so Paul Bunyan's a big boy now, and he's contributing to deforestation. Sure is. <laughs> That's where it all began for us. Polly B. Plowing a lot down of land. He's, yeah, he's clearing forests, clearing land for towns and farms, which I guess is necessary for life uh, out on the plains, out in the mountains, out in the Pacific Northwest, which is kind of where Paul Bunyan ends up. Um, yeah, so eventually they, they get into this section where they kind of sing about how Paul Bunyan kind of contributed to all of these geographical features in America. Yeah. They say that after he met Babe the Blue Ox, they walked across the American Midwest, I almost said Middle East, and <laughs> their footsteps created the land of 10,000 lakes, which mm-hmm. is Minnesota. Minnesota, Wisconsin. Minnesota, yeah. Okay, I was right the first time. Oh, okay. So then they said he logged out North and South Dakota. So that mean, I've never been to North and South Dakota. So is that is North Dakota like no- notoriously devoid of forests, even though it feels like there should be some there? <laughs> there's a there's an old saying in mine not behind every tree in North Dakota. There's a pretty girl. There's no trees in North Dakota. (laughs) (laughs) That is so good. (laughs) Oh my God. So he clears out the trees in the Dakotas. Oh man. Uh, he, He digs the Missouri River. He builds Pike's Peak. He's wrestling with Babe and that creates the Grand Tetons. Digs himself a shower and that's Yellowstone. Um, and basically, like, he creates all of the commerce in the San Francisco Bay Area. Like, right. that's really depicted what's depicted in this movie. Um, 
So at the end though, so I, I'm watching this and I'm like, this is not American. Like, I mean, it's American cause they're describing the geography. And like I said, like the, the differences in geography are super American. So this feels like just kind of an ex- explanation of that. But I'm like, where is the like inspiration that these other shorts have? You know, like I said, Johnny Appleseed, I would love to have that spirit of courage that Johnny Appleseed has. I would love to have the conviction of John Henry and I would love to have the devotion of Casey Jones. But where is this coming into play with Paul Bunyan? Like, I want to be jacked like Paul Bunyan. Of course <laughs> yeah, I do, that, but it's like... That American um, jacked but I'm heading culture. To, I'm heading to Taco Bell after this. So like, I'm probably (laughs) never going to be as jacked as Paul Bunyan, but then he ends up getting into a very similar situation that John Henry does. He gets into a fight with a dude who's trying to sell him a steam saw and a steam locomotive. And he's, it's another contest thing. Um, and it's this time though, he loses. Paul Bunyan loses the contest, which is the weird part because if he wins the contest, it's like, Oh, I get it. Like we can all, like machines work hard, but humans work harder. Right. And it's sort of like an anti machinery <laughs> commentary maybe, <laughs> or something. Um, because, because like we're talking about with this Walt Disney thing, like being American is work culture and like working as hard as you possibly can to get that raise, get that paycheck, get that paper, make that bread. Yep. And, um, and that's in a lot of these shorts, but in the Paul Bunyan one, it's just weird because it feels like, all right, Paul Bunyan lost. So what you're saying is whatever you do is futile because you're going to get replaced by a machine anyway. Right, right. Which is true, but for 2001, or no, this was made in 1958. So you would think that this would be one of those situations where Disney would be like, no, we're going to make it the story about how Paul Bunyan defeats the machine because the American spirit is undefeated. Never lost. (laughs) Never lost. (laughs) And what's interesting is like with him losing, uh, him and and the and Babe go up, and legend has it that they're in Alaska, and they're mm-hmm. now the Great Northern Lights, and that's them wrestling up in Alaska. So it's not even that they lost; they lost and turned into goddamn space dust, and we get to see them every single day. So yeah, it's interesting, especially compared to all of these other stories, how this one decides to end when we started this bracket i kind of made a promise to myself that i was going to try and not take the cynical approach to talking about what it means to be an american and focusing on all the things that are very obviously wrong with this country one of those being uh the the problems with workplace culture and uh work-life balance and all that stuff so i'm going to go with the aspirational approach to the Uh, American Legends VHS. I think this is something that children can have takeaways from. I think this is something that adults can have takeaway from. I think it can uh, border on toxic positivity a little bit, Um, a toxic interpretation of the American dream that if you just work hard enough, you will become an American legend yourself. Don't know that that's true, but at least I feel a little bit inspired, a little bit empowered and not so insignificant when I watch some of these shorts. Yeah, no, that, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a great interpretation. But uh, before I make my final decision, can I read some of the most iconic parts of this uh, Walt strike where the strike signs 
And I want to oh, I want to yeah. take a moment and read right. some of these signs if you if you don't mind. So these are some of my favorites. So they literally went on strike outside of the studio and they're holding signs. And one thing you don't want to do is piss off a group of artists because mm. they are going to draw up a storm on some of these strike signs. And that's exactly what these Disney's artists did. So coming in at number whatever of my favorite strike signs is one that has the uh, ballet ostrich from Fantasia and it has its head in the sand and it says, don't be an ostrich, go on strike, which of course is don't, don't put your head in the sand and be ignorant. Come join us on strike. Fantastic. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf and the wolf is drawn looking like Walt. So there you go. We want security. It says actually including that's kind of scary. We've got a bone to pick with Walt and it's Pluto looking really mad with a bone in his mouth. Fantastic. Love that one. Uh, There are no strings on me. And guess who's on that sign? Our boy Pinocchio. Three years of college two years of art school, five years of animation. And then there's like the, the sum line that goes across it. Grand total equals one hamburger stand. Brutal. There's one that's just very straightforward down with preferential firing sketch. And you know what it's accompanied by a group of undertakers in black masks that are holding a, uh, uh, wow. My brain is so broken that I almost said ventriloquist, but that's not what the the word is. What is the head chopping apparatus? Guillotine. (laughs) Holding a guillotine, which they then used in the parking lot to chop the head off of a dummy that I would only assume is is Walt, which is sketch. And the very last one is that at this time during the strike, the Relactic Dragon was about to come out. And we talked about that on on the hybrid Disney movie bracket. But they have this big dinosaur uh, that's held up by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people all holding up different parts of the dinosaur. And across the dinosaur's side, it says unfair. The head of the dinosaur is Walt himself. And the sign under it says the reluctant Disney. Ooh. So there are there are just some very good signs that came out of this strike. Once again, I'm gonna pitch the Walt Disney Family Museum because there are there's an entire exhibit within the the walkthrough halls of that museum that talk about the strike and they have some like quote unquote like life size signs that they mm. recreated from the strike, which is really interesting that they chose to choose that because this is Walt Disney's family's museum. So they are showing that like, hey, this this dude also kind of messed up. Although there is a spin on it in that entire room where they're like, and this strike made Walt very sad and stressed. And it's like, boy, if you don't stop trying to twist this entire scenario. So there, are, there this entire thing almost ended Walt. It ended Walt's interest in animation a thousand percent. You said that and and put his focus into themed experiences and Disneyland, which I guess thank you, because that's really what I think you and I came to love is is this are these parks. Uh, So thankfully the animators got paid and we got the parks. But uh, I, I think I'm going to agree with you that the American Legends VHS feels like 
that American thing. Not only is it animation from all eras of Disney from the 40s into the 2000s, but it's this aspirational thing that we instill in our kids that like whatever you dream you can do hard work will do it even if you feel like you don't fit in you're going to be able to make something of yourself uh anybody can become a star like we tell that to our kids all the time you can be whatever you want when you grow up uh no you can't bro (laughs) it is real hard to become whatever you want when you grow up and i feel like this legends thing is that but it's also and and we can talk about it maybe a little bit in the next next uh, trip around. It's a way to kind of talk about how we acquired land without dealing with how we acquired land. You know, it's <laughs> like we uh, we we sit here in the West now. You know how that happened? Big Polly B came out here and he cleared the forests and that land was ours to to inhabit. It was uninhabited before. And we were, we figured out how to farm on it. And it's like, uh, we kind of killed everything and everyone that was on this land before that. But yeah, sure. Polly B and his big ass ox. Like it's, it's a way to, for us to kind of erase the, the history and put it into something that's understandable. Uh, but that is the American way. We love to erase a little bit of history, and so does uh, in the form of animation. I agree with you, uh, Daphne. The down go the union busting tactics of Walt. Uh, do you have any issues with this? Yes, because I oh. was gonna, I was gonna go for the union busting. Because who hasn't had a bad boss? Who hasn't been underpaid? That's the American experience. <laughs> it is the American experience. I think that, uh, and even you know. It's not moving on, but I'll throw a bone to that argument that there was a documentary that came out this year that hasn't hit like the consumer level yet, but it was done by Walt's great great granddaughter. Uh, it's called The American Dream, and it's about how the Disney company in the last five years have been underpaying their employees. Uh, and it it uh, debuted at the Sundance Film Festival. So we're going to be seeing that hitting our streaming devices very soon. So that is still true to the Disney way. It's obviously still true to the American way as well. But uh, so is telling these legends and raising the hopes of our children uh, through animation, I guess. Uh, That's going to be on Disney Plus, right? (laughs) Yeah, Disney Plus is going to greenlight that so fast. Here's how we uh, don't pay our employees. Enjoy. $7 a month, please. Right, let's move on to this next matchup. It is the number nine flag retreat versus the number five America the Beautiful. This is tough. This is tough because the arguments that I've given for both of these kind of align. You've got a shared experience in both because the America the Beautiful experience wasn't one where you went into a theater, sat down and had to crane your neck. You were standing in the middle of this theater so you are able to like talk and point and look around all together as this film is rolling. Just as the, the flag retreat, while you're not sitting there like talking and chatting it up because it's a pretty quiet moment, uh, you're all there and you can feel that together. You can feel the importance of the flag retreat happening around you. And especially when they start bringing up, you know, that we're going to honor the, the military and the veterans and the folks that are here today. And we're going to give you an entire moment. Uh, we, we love to do that here in America and deservedly so, uh, honor those who have served and 
to stop the fantasy for a day to do so uh, kind of shows that priority of American life above all else. It's why we start with the national anthem at sporting events. Like we don't go to sporting events because we're like, this is American. We go to like, a, it's an escapism event. And yet we're still inserting the real life aspect of this viewing spectacle with starting out with the national anthem. So here you are doing it as well. Can you imagine if we rolled up to Disney parks at rope drop and before the rope dropped, we all had to stand and, uh, do go through the star spangled banner like and then it's like all right we've done it drop the rope well it is funny you say that because they do do that at all sea world parks there's no way uh, there's i was no in sea world san diego last year and right before uh everyone was like good to go they stopped and they did a little national anthem that sounds like um we should have experienced that at california's great america this is where we should have experienced Ooh. a little national anthem shindig. I guess we didn't get there at, at opening, but okay. Well, that's, I guess that makes it not a Disney thing <laughs> to do it. So, uh, but yeah, so both of these feel very important to not only Disney, but American. But I think what makes it the most American Disney thing is American the Beautiful. I think the combination of of technology to honor your nation in a way that is consumable and a shared experience for people of all ages in one space at one time over and over and over again throughout the day is what makes Disney's patrioticism so strong. And I think the flag retreat in and of itself is very Disney. I think it's very Walt. Uh, but maybe not necessarily very the company these days. Walt definitely enacted that flag retreat thing because he was all about that. But guess what, baby? Walt's dead. And this is a new company. And this new company still finds ways to honor America in that same vein. But it's taking that technology. America the Beautiful, the technology. Lincoln, the technology. Hall of Presidents, the technology. They want to insert the, the top of the top as much as they can. And America the Beautiful does it. It's a great moment with uh, the flag retreat. But I think that we have to go with America the Beautiful here. The thing that's difficult for me about this matchup is that so many of the things on this bracket feel very performative and they feel very tacky in the way that they present their Americanism. And these are two things that feel very authentic and very straightforward and, and honestly, very truthful as well. Uh, the way that the flag retreat ceremony is inclusive and calls veterans forward. Like you get that sense of like the people of America, you know, and we are all participating in patriotism together, uh, no matter where we came from, what we're doing now, like we're going to all stand and, and share in this moment together. And America the Beautiful, it it kind of tells it like it is. It says, it's like it takes a documentary approach to the film, you know, and they say, oh, this is how it is here. And this is how it is here. Right. It feels, it feels super real, super honest. So, I mean, for me, what it comes down to is like, okay, is the American thing the people? Uh, is it the, the devotion to the flag? Or is it the country itself? And... I really appreciate 
the quality of the flag retreat ceremony. But Mm. for me, I think it does come down to the American geography and the country itself. I think so many of the things that are unique about this country, we can directly attribute to how big it is and how diverse, um, the landscape is not just because like the landscape looks different, but because people have to have different ways of life based on like where in the country they live. Like people who have to shovel their driveway in Chicago have different things to think about than people who, you know, live in the heat of Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah. Just how it is. Uh, and so the America, the beautiful video definitely captures that idea. I think very well. So it's going to move on to the finals. Daff, I'm very sorry that you were a participant in the flag retreat ceremony. <laughs> are you are you okay with us advancing this film, however? I'm going to be all right. But no, a good decision. I think um, the landscape of America is objectively beautiful, no right. matter right. what you think of the country or, or like what your political views are, what your background is. I think it's objectively beautiful. All right. So what will meet? America the Beautiful in the finals. Will it be the number two seed Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln or the number 11 seed The American Legends VHS? <laughs> uh, I mean, this is this is crazy because everything that I said about Lincoln totally stands. And like, I do think that the, that the fact that it is this like technological advancement is really important. And the fact that it is Disney experience Walt Disney himself expressing his patriotism is really important. Uh, the, like branding an entire corporation as being patriotic is just, it's just so wild. Yeah. And, and the, the American legends VHS, like you said, it seems to take some liberties factually. I mean, I kind of in passing mentioned the fact that Johnny Appleseed was not farming apples to make people pies. He was farming ap- apples to get people drunk. <laughs> That was the type of apples Johnny was bringing to the table. And, and like both of these things incorporate elements of spirituality as well as, and that's something we haven't really talked about with any of these things is that at the heart of a lot of them is this idea that like, we have this God given destiny to be American and to do all of these things. And, uh, with Johnny Appleseed, it's like, he holds his Bible up and he's like, I'm going forward. And then, right. And we, we literally watched the man die Mm -hmm. and his guardian angel who looks a lot like Yosemite Sam is like, (laughs) dude, we got, we need you because we need some apple trees in heaven, bro. And he's like, Oh, let's go right now. Plan them up, plan them up. I just the James Earl Jones factor in this VHS like is the great equalizer. Uh, The way that James Earl Jones direct addresses the audience and says these things that I mentioned in the last episode, uh, things like saying John Henry is a reminder that the indomitable American spirit is powerful today as it was yesterday. It's just very uplifting. Um, the statements that that James Earl Jones is saying are are objectively true. Yeah. You don't need great strength or size to become an American legend. A man's deeds can live on. True. So I think this is where you kind of defend that 
hmm. liberty that they're taking with some of these stories is it's like the point isn't that they're trying to tell an accurate depiction of something. The point is that they're trying to fit a story into an American idea. Uh, it's like a, we're trying to explain why America is the way that it is. And then right. Johnny Appleseed was a real person, but uh, <laughs> you know, they, they do take some liberties with that story. So uh, the important part isn't that like Johnny Appleseed was this guy that did all these things. The important part is that you don't need great strength or size to become an American legend. Uh, so I think the fact that the American legends VHS is loaded with so many ideas is what makes it the more American Disney thing because history is one directional. Yeah. You're looking to the past and like, yeah, you can take, you can take some of those Lincoln quotes to, you know, whatever thing I learned about the past can inform the future, whatever. But when you watch this American dream thing, you're watching things that allegedly happened in the past, but it's all for looking towards the future as James Earl Jones uses that as a sign off, he says, you're the stuff that legends are made of. You can find legends in the past, present, and in the mirror. So I'm sending the VHS tape to the finals. This is crazy. Wow, that is crazy. Uh, your argument aligns, though, because I think even if you want to be one of those what would Walt do sayers, uh, he didn't join the war as a kid because he wanted to honor the president at the time, right? He wanted to do it for the the greater good. And he knew that while he's not a John Henry of sorts, he's not a Paul Bunyan of sorts, his his contribution and his small part could make a difference. And, and he knew that he could have that strength to be great. And he was going to do it at any cost, which meant forging his birthday and, and parent signature and going and enlisting in the Red Cross at 17. And that carries through. Like we we see all of these m- memorials, these monuments honoring our presidents, and and Disney does it their own way with the storytelling of their animatronics. But every other aspect of their patrioticism and their American identity is not necessarily honoring people of the past. It's honoring like an ideal of freedom, of shared experience. And while Lincoln tries to instill that in us and the speeches that he gives, he's still just a dude in time that set the course hundreds of years ago, right? And so Disney not only is about progress and honoring its past, but it's looking towards that future. And it's wild that I am agreeing with you to move this like 2001 VHS on, even though it's a bunch of cartoons spanning from the 50s up until 2000. But I think that the stories are very American. While like maybe those characters themselves aren't American characters, it's that story, it's that aspiration that it's supposed to instill in us. And then the Disney storytelling, the Disney animation, James Earl Jones, a Disney legend. Like, are you joking, bro? Straight to VHS in the two early 2000s? Let's get more Disney than that. Uh, so I agree with you. That's moving on. Daphne, down goes baby Abe. Uh, I'm sure you're not too happy about that one. No, but uh, Chris, I do. I, I, I did like what you said about like, hey, you don't have to be the biggest, baddest dude to be a legend. It's like, think of a dude's like uh, Bill Gates, 
Steve Jobs, <laughs> right? Like they're like nerds, <laughs> but you guys are legends. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, that brings us to the finals. And who would have thought it would have been here? I'm glad that it's not anything we would have thought. We've had too many predictable finals in the past few brackets, so we're talking. The number five, America the Beautiful versus the number 11, the straight to VHS release, a package film of itself, American Legends VHS. Done talked about all that we can talk about between these two. And I think that I'm going to go with the number five seed, America the Beautiful. I think that there is something that people can find aspirational about viewing your country in that way and seeing the country from points that you maybe haven't been able to see before. I think that the America, the beautiful instills this pride in every American without placing the burden on them to be great. Uh, You can go and experience this great country that you live in and, and experience these new frontiers for yourself, especially if you haven't left your small Southern California town it encourages people to meet others uh, by visiting these new places. It exemplifies the technological advances that Disney always strives to make. It brings it into a media that Disney helped to bring to the forefront, which are these nature type videos. Uh, it takes a, a format that you know very well, and especially audiences then these movies and these movie theaters and these big screens and turns it on its head by making you spin around. It just feels like this is this is the most American thing of these matchups. Uh, I think that while the American Legends VHS really makes every American feel like, yeah, I can be like Johnny Appleseed. I don't have to be the biggest, strongest, but I can still make a difference and I can be a legend in my own right. Uh, It still places a lot of emphasis on that individualism. And I think that while individualism is a very important part of the American identity, I think that we like to flaunt that we are actually all in this together and that we are one big country. Uh, We are one community that are fighting for a common cause constantly. We are going towards one thing. Every president that has ever spoken in the last 50 years has said, come together as Americans, come together as one country. Uh, and what better way to do that than to observe your country all together uh, through these beautiful, beautiful film uh, featurettes of some of the greatest places in the country. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and crown America the Beautiful, the Circa Rama experience from Disneyland as the most American Disney thing. I I think there's a lot wrapped up in in America the Beautiful. It, it's all that geography stuff we've been talking about, but let's not forget that they take a little trip to Washington, D.C., and they talk, take a little trip to West Point. So sure the, gover- the government is wrapped up in there. Military is wrapped up in there. They also do a little Mount Vernon and a little bit of Gettysburg, and they go over some of that American history in there, too. So it yeah, almost sure, yeah. feels like, like, it's like it's not even fair because this movie seems to touch on everything. And then to top it all off, you've got that technological advancement that we've been talking about too. There's a spirit of daring 
happening in the production itself. There's also a sense of industrial industrialism on Disney's part by trying to uh, t- take advantage of this. This attraction is something you're, you're technically spending money on seeing. So um, <laughs> yeah. it's like it, it's uh, progress for the sake of economic uh, advantage. And I'm sure at one point this thing was sponsored. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, the American Legends VHS, it's like America the Beautiful makes me feel good about Mm. the way the country is now. Uh, it makes me go, you know what? We do live in a really beautiful place. We, we live in a really unique place that has come such a long way and, and for everything that I hate about it, (laughs) it's really the best, it's really the best in so many ways too. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of navel gazing, I think is, is really American. That sense of pride is really American. That, that idea that America's number one, uh, that's what you get when you watch America, the beautiful, when I watch American legends, I get that sense of progress, that sense of moving forward. I feel like I could hold a hammer like John Henry. I feel like I should be able to swing the ax like Paul Bunyan. I feel like I should be able to deliver some mail like Casey Jones. All it takes is just a little bit of courage, a little bit of determination, fearlessness, a sense of adventure, not just in the places that I could go in this country, but the things that I could do, things that I could achieve, people I could meet. I could meet my new best friend, Babe the Blue Ox, laying in the snow tomorrow. Right. Um, And there's a sense of geography, but also a sense of people that is present in uh, American legends, which is what I think puts it over the top for me. Wow. Uh, when it comes to uh, this matchup. So Daphne is going to be breaking the tie. Will it be the number five seed, America the Beautiful, or will it be the number 11 seed, the American Legends, direct-to-video VHS? Oh, man, this one's hard. Because, uh, yeah, you want to get that sense of, I can make my own way into this world. I just got to work hard, get at it. But at the same time, Oh my God, the landscape of the country. <laughs> Man, I gotta go with America the Beautiful. Just, I I think, um, yeah, just this country has a lot to offer. People should go out and see it. And that could be that shared experience that we were talking about. All right, that does it. The number five seed, America the Beautiful, the attraction that no longer exists, comes out on top of our most quote-unquote American Disney thing bracket, hang it in the rafters, and as we do at the end of every single bracket, we are going to clap it out. Chris, this is one of those brackets where I'm always going to look back on and be like, that was, that we did that thing. We did that, that thing. Was... This was a fun one. That was a, a very heavy lift on everyone's part, it feels <laughs> like, but I feel like very dense with opinions and dense with history. It was a really great time for me, personally. Yeah, I had a great time, and we hope that you all listening had a great time as well. And Daphne, we hope you had a great time. Thank you so much for joining us for your second tour of duty here on Mouse Madness Podcast. We hope you come back. I'm saluting right now. <laughs> <laughs> saluting real hard right now. 
All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. You got something to say about these American ideas. Please email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and become a member of Jerry's Gang by joining us at the $5 level. But that's it. I hope you all have a happy and safe 4th of July weekend slash week. Have a great summer. You know what we do it for. To honor America.